I'm Jim. And I'm Frank. And I'm Jerry. And this is the JFJ Conspiracy Podcast, where the shop talk is rock. Mm-hmm. And this week, we're going to do something a little different. Um, going to take a break from having bands presented, and we're going to do Guilty Pleasures. And yeah. um, Jim, why don't you explain what a guilty pleasure is when it comes to music? Well, to me, I think of it, it's one of those things that you love, but you'd have a hard time admitting it to your buddies <laughs> as to as to liking it because it would maybe not be seen as cool or or whatever. Not that we have to worry about being cool at our age. We don't care. No, we're uh, we've, we've passed cool school, cool school. We've you know, it was it was like um, you know back in the day if you were if you were listening to say a lot of new wave and punk or something, but you secretly loved Led Zeppelin on the side. Right. Right? You never tell you never tell your buddies, yeah, I'm still listening right. to Zeppelin or or whatever. And uh or or you know, you, you got that Donna Summer album tucked away in the right. oh. in the middle of the collection there because you like to shake your groove Ooh. thing or whatever. <laughs> That's right. That to me that would be like a guilty pleasure. Very good. Isn't that Peaches and Herb? Maybe I shouldn't know that. Maybe. Oh, that song particularly. Yes, I think yeah. that is Peaches and <laughs> Herb. Uh, we were going to have a guest with us also, um, Jeffrey Brenneman. And uh, he went to the Padres game and got a little too much sun. And uh, if you're familiar with Veggie Tales, he said he looks like Bob the Tomato. So uh, oh. with that being said. I'm not, but I can only imagine. Yes. Yeah. If you have little kids, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so Jeff will join us another time for another show. Yeah. Um, he so was really looking forward. We were looking forward to having him. We're yes. so sorry. But yeah. um, I've, I've had uh, heat exhaustion before. Yeah, over nice. yeah, like that. And it's not, yeah. I was sick for like three days. It's not, right. not, not a good scene. No. No. Well, one of the things... Um, that we need to know before we do anything and that this doesn't change is I got to know what's in Jim's fridge. Now, I don't know. I don't know if you caught a glimpse of that, Frank. No, I did not. I'm, I, I, I got a little nostalgia this week, I think. And that maybe had a little to do with the rat and the, uh, uh, quiet, quiet riot. riot thing. Um, I, I'm uh, I'm friends with Mark Kendall on Facebook, mm-hmm. and Mark was kind of talking about how Great White got signed. Right. And he said the what happened to him was they basically released their own EP out of the night. Right. And because the record got picked up by local radio. They started getting airplay on KLOS and KMET, who were sort of doing that thing at the time and right. yeah. playing some of these some of these local bands that were putting out, um, you know, seven a seven inch single or an EP or whatever else that they were able to get signed. And they went on to I'm trying to think who their first deal was with. Is it e- EMI or I believe so? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but they ended up getting dropped. Ended up putting out another self-produced album and then getting, I think, re-picked up by Capitol, I think is who they, who they ended up with and had a long stretch of hits and, and a lot of success. So in 1982, there you go. I think it was, oh, well, let's get this 
gnarly light out of the way. <laughs> you could see it. So um, I was commenting to him that I had walked into Music Plus. I didn't know anything about Great White. And uh, it doesn't say Great White anywhere on the cover. Right. But I saw the cover and I thought, well, this is this is kind of interesting looking. And I looked at the picture on the back and said, out of the night. I did, didn't know anything about Great White, right. but found found this at Music Plus and spent whatever it was, the five or six bucks to to pick it up. Sweet. And it's a it's really a fantastic record. Right. It's really good. And I didn't know the whole story about them being in coming from Dante Fox. Correct. I, and I had hung out with these guys at parties and stuff and never made any connection that it was the same, <laughs> same guys. Right. Right. And so, um, they had had a, uh, I think it was a bass player named Don Costa who had left to go play with Ozzy. And, um, I think, I, I don't remember who their drummer was at the time, but those guys had left. And so they recruited Lauren Black on bass and, and Gary Holland on drums. And it was still, um, Mark and um, Jack. Jack, thank you. Yep. And uh, anyway, so I was telling Mark how I had just bought the record, not knowing anything about him and just how much I loved it. <laughs> and uh, it's such a good record. And we uh, ended up going to see them. They opened up for a band called Taxi. I don't know if you guys remember Taxi. Oh, yeah. But it was one of those low dough shows. It was you know, nine, nine and a half bucks to get in. I think mm-hmm. it was under $10. Cause it was like a 95, five thing. Um, or maybe it was a KMT show, whatever it was, it was $9 47 cents. I don't remember, but right. Uh, they were, they were just fantastic live. Yeah. Just um, matter of fact, after taxi came out, they played a couple songs. We were like, yeah, let's, it wasn't even worth staying because yeah. great white had completely blown them off the stage. It was just, they were that good. And, um, so I was feeling a little nostalgic, but um, right. we, we had been talking recently uh, online about, you know, how what a terrible thing it was, sort of the loss of K-Rock, you know, how mm-hmm. they were one of the most yeah. influential stations, not just here in L.A., but around the world. People were looking to what they were playing to determine their own playlists. Right. And, and a lot of what they did was was play local local bands and that was kind of the way great white got their start right not not on k-rock but on uh on local rock radio and that that i don't know that we'll ever see anything like that again no those days are long gone no yeah they're long gone and i think it was um highly highly recommend the ep it's it's extremely good and i remember at the end of it's the same thing on both sides right for your convenience it's for your convenience right Uh, so Make sure, make sure Great White Rock lasts longer because yes. if you wear it one side, you can always flip it over. But when right. you go to the end of one side, um, it was a little outtake from the studio. It said, let's listen back to that. Yeah. And so you it kind of prompted you to go back to the beginning of the record. Right. Uh, produced by Don Dawkin and engineered by Michael Wagner, um, who both went on to do big things, much bigger yeah. things. And he was saying that... Um, Don was in Germany at the time because that's kind of where Doc and really broke through and got their start. But mm-hmm. he, they, they came in and did the record for free. They didn't charge him anything to do the production, the engineering or anything. And he's all, I'm not even sure how we lucked out kind of to do that, but he's Don flew all the way in from Germany to do yeah. it on his own dime kind of right. thing. So wow. 
um, you know, maybe just for the production experience. I don't know, but yeah. Um, talk, talked about how great it was working with him and what a really good songwriter Don was and a good arranger and um, paid off for those guys. So uh, anyway, I've gone on way too long about this EP, but if you don't have it in your collection, highly recommend it. Uh, it's been re-released on CD along with like uh, live albums and other things. Um, the recovery yeah. live and all those. Yeah, various various different things, but um, worth worth hunting down. So I've got it on cassette myself. Um, yeah, vinyl's so cool. You got to keep it on ice. Beautiful. Aye, 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 aye. Real two quick things: uh, Don Dawkin and Jack Russell, who is now in Jack Russell's version of Great White, are still good friends, and they tour together. Uh, if, if you look on Facebook, they put a lot of live stuff. They're doing all the county fairs and festivals and things like that. Yeah, but they tour together. Um, uh, sadly, can, Great White's not together. Not that. Not as we know it. Not as we know it. No. Now, if you want the voice, you listen to Jack Russell's Great White. That's right. If you want the guitar, you listen to um, Kendall's, <laughs> Mark Kendall's version, which yeah. is Great White. Right. Greg and I went to see Great White before they broke. Someplace in Laverne, if you guys know the name of the place, please let me know. It's when Foothill, Laverne. right off of the Foothill, off the 210, when it dis- stopped, there was Remember, a big two-story house there. Yeah, it's a restaurant now. Is it yes. a restaurant now? Is that yeah. that grill something, something? It was a club. It was a club, though. Really? Great White played there. There was no stage. They were on the ground. They were set up on the floor. And about two songs in, some jackhole decide to unplug their main electricity, cutting everything out. So here they are playing. Jack Russell's screaming, and they realize there's no electricity. So they plug it back in. Jack Russell's threatens bodily injury to whoever did this. And they start whatever song it was over again. Well, then they go on and they said, hey, you like that song so much? We're going to do it again. It was one of those type deals. They didn't have yeah. enough material for a full hour and a half show or whatever. So what they were trying to get their new album that was coming as much practice as possible. Great Why place not? to see a show. And and it had a name. It was popular back in the uh, 80s. That's funny. Uh, it's yeah. changed names so many times. I couldn't. Yeah. It has. I mean, it's right. It's, it's been so many places. Yeah. I mean, things, I should say. Still the same. Uh, no, no place has ever survived their long term. No. No. Jim, and I've noticed Strangely, that Strangely, and it's a and it's a great looking building in a great location. Yep. And I can't yep. for the life of me figure out why nobody seems to be able to market work there. Yeah. Yeah. You've got mail. Hey, let's do a quick mail call. I have uh, something I want to share with you guys I picked up. I haven't opened it yet, but I will tell you it's purple vinyl. So you'll understand that. But this is Zach Sabbath redoing the first Black Sabbath album in its entirety. Yeah. So Zach Wild and his band. I was going to say, is that Zach Wild? Okay. And I want to tell you right now. Zach sounds more like Ozzy now than Ozzy does at this point. Oh, wow. It is. That's not hard. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. So Very interesting. Yes. Yes, just, that is very interesting. Came across this the other day online. I had to buy it. I couldn't. Uh, Absolutely. He said it, wait, he says the first Sabbath album? The, the first Sabbath album. That's yes. my favorite. I yep. tell you guys, that's my fave. Um, I'll have to check that out. And and like, have you heard? Hey, hey, Jerry, have you heard Heaven and Hell? Yes, that's (laughs) I love that. Okay, and Mob Rules and Mob Rules, but (laughs) 
Just check in. Yeah, we've done this before on other shows and via text and messaging. Uh, <laughs> Black Sabbath on that horse. to me. Black, <laughs> Black Sabbath debut to me is the shizzle. We will we will have that debate maybe when uh, Je- Jeff comes back on our show and yeah. we'll let him chime in with that. Yeah, uh, from the Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme podcast. Yep. Let's talk to him about Sabbath. So. I know he's got an opinion about it. Absolutely. Um, we're and don't, and don't forget Club Barnett. Uh, oh, oh yes. Club Barnett. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. That season yeah. two was great. Yes, Just it was. It came great. out with yeah. a lot of good stuff. Ronnie had a lot yes. of interesting things to talk about. Yeah. Really he's good. Got tons. He's got tons. Folks, if you haven't listened to it yet, I think it's seven seven episodes, eight episodes, but um, seven episodes. Well, there's season one and two, right? Yeah, they're All short, right. like 15, 20 minutes, but right. time well spent. It's yeah, fun with Ronnie. It's yeah, it's great stuff. Lots yeah, of info absolutely. packed into a little time. Yep. <laughs> um, we are going to discuss the quiet riot slash rat debut debate here in just a minute. Okay. But first our buddy, Tony Floyd, Kenna, Tony, Tony Floyd, Floyd Kenna. Kenna sent uh, each of us uh, his new CD. Thank and you, I'll Tony. Make, Thanks, Tony. Thank I'll make you, sure Tony. I get it out to you guys. Very cool. Thank you, Tony. Um, first song's called Love You to Bits. And uh, I messaged him back and I said, Tony, I love this to bits. It's good. It's just. All right, Tony. Thank <laughs> good, you. Good stuff. <laughs> you guys will enjoy it. Our friend from over the pond. Yep. Great stuff, Tony. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Before we get into the rat versus quiet riot de- debut debate, let's talk about some guilty pleasures. Hey, Jim, you kind of set the, the tone of what a guilty pleasure is when it comes to music. Yeah. Maybe a little peer pressure would keep you down. Uh, maybe it just doesn't matter. Maybe something you just don't share because I like it and I don't care if you guys do or not. That's right. So let's go ahead and start with you, Jim. What is, uh, and it, I know there's more than one, but. No, that's it. Okay. <laughs> my my musical tastes are pretty wide ranging. So, but I love uh, 1960s French girl pop. Hey, hard to imagine, right? Hi <laughs> there. Well done. And so, uh, how how this kind of came about is that um, John Frankenheimer made a film called Grand Prix that starred James Garner. The, the, the Formula One stuffy? The Formula One movie. Wow. So, um, anyway, one of the uh, supporting actresses in there was a, a, a very young woman at the time, was a, a gal named Francois Hardy, if you're not, not familiar with her. She was a, a singer, but kind of broke into film because she was uh, beautiful and could sing well and, and not a bad actress either. Uh, and so I started looking up all the people in the film and seeing like kind of what other things they'd done because they had people who were Italians and, mm-hmm. you know, French and whatever else and looking at different movies they had done. And so I learned a little bit about Francois Hardy and I saw that she was a singer. So I started looking up some of her songs and um, all that stuff has a really kind of groovy vibe to it. Oh yeah. And so uh, if you ever use Pandora, you can type in the name of an artist and it will just start creating a playlist based on that artist, right? And it'll like-minded things. And so I learned about all kinds of other um, 
all kinds of other French girl pop and just kind of fell in love with the genre. And so the song that we have tonight is by a young gal, well, she was young at the time, Annie Philippe. And I think she was, I want to say like 14, 15, something when she recorded this very, very young. And uh, the name of the song is C'est la mode. I love uh, I love the romantic languages and um, I don't my Spanish isn't as good as it used to be in my my French sucks and my Italian's even worse, but uh, <laughs> I loved when I listened to the song, there are little things I could, could pick out, mm-hmm. you know, she uses the word blue jeans in there for one. So that's right. an English word, but voyage, voyage, un jet or conjet, you know, taking a trip on a jet and mm-hmm. shopping in a shop and things like that, you know? So right up the sixties the alley there with, with that style of music. Yes. It, it reminds me of, I, I was, I, I know you don't partake in these types of movies, but I was watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the latest Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, and it's a, it's a, like that Charles Manson crossover thingy, right, whatever it is. You're right. right. And he played all, an awful lot of music from the sixties, um, late sixties on that. But this song took me right to that time yeah. because that was the style. Yes. And, yep. uh, Good, good production good. yeah yeah loved it yeah and so uh, after after that i found on um ksbc which is like sort of the local college station for us it's claremont college station 88.7 so there's a there's a woman on there every i want to say saturday um gal named fifi larue who does a oh, yes. french french radio mm-hmm. show she has like two hours on there and she'll play stuff like this and other things that are in in french so good deal and and you being the individual who likes pop music and, and girl bands in in particular, is this really a guilty pleasure or is it just a pleasure? Uh, it's the a beginning. Pleasure. But when I when I tell people that, they kind of look at me like, "What?" <laughs> well, I've never I've never heard that term, French girl, whatever you said. But once I hear it, it's like, "Oh, that's gorgeous." That's yeah, they all, they also call it yee yee, spelled y e y e. And what that's supposed to mean, I don't know. (laughs) French yee singers. Uh Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I just love that 60s vibe and that whole thing. I love that. That was a great tune, Jim. Great tune. Girls girls in short skirts and go-go boots and Uh floppy hats. (laughs) Like I say, I go back to the the Matt Helms and the James Bond and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, it's interesting that my guilty pleasure has nothing to do with French music, but it still came out in the 60s. Yeah, and the story behind, I'll tell you exactly why this particular artist and the song I'm going to play for you is the main, one of two main songs. 
when I was four or five years old, being from a big Italian family, I was a ring bearer in a big Italian wedding for my second cousin, Marie, my dad's cousin. And I wore a blue crushed velvet tuxedo and I had the pillow and I carried the ring so proudly and everything. And my cousin, Julianne was the ring, the flower girl. We walked down the aisle, did our thing. Nice. Go cut to the reception. Again, a big Italian reception. I'm sitting next to my grandfather who decides every time there's a toast, he's going to have some champagne and he's going to pour a little bit in my glass. <laughs> got to get got to get you started right, Paisan. I tell gotta you. Get you started right. As things went on, I was sitting there inebriated <laughs> and started belting out this song and it's a song that I played on my mother's phonograph record over and over and over. And my mother looked over and said, oh, my God, he's drunk. But it goes like this. Well, here I sit a high, getting ideas. Ain't nothing but a fool to live like this. Out all night, running wild. Woman sitting home with a month old child. Dang me. Dang me, they ought to take a rope and hang me High from the highest tree Woman, would you weep for me? <laughs> All right. That's awesome. I, I remember the chorus. That was the only thing I knew of, of the song. But well, Yeah, same that's here. That's the part yeah. that I started singing when I was drunk and my mother realized that I was two sheets to the wind. But I actually have the original album that was my mother's. Oh, smash nice. oh, records. Bless her heart. Bless yeah. her heart. This was hers and it's scratched up in the whole bit, but I won't get rid of it for nothing. Um, no. Second favorite song on this album is King of the Road. And yep. yeah. as a grandparent, I, well, even as a parent, when, when both of my kids were young and they were crying, colicky, whatever, I would hold them and sing King of the Road and whatever reason, for whatever reason, it would knock them out. Now my son King is King of the Road. He sings King of the Road as well. And it tried and tested and true. It works. So I'm a little I'm a little surprised when you started talking about big Italian family, big Italian <laughs> wedding. I'm yeah, ready for Jim. you to start what? belting out big pizza pie. No, no, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza, some Dean, Dean Martin, man. I, I love me I some Dean, Dean Martin. I, oh, the, I have the essential Dean Martin, and it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, we, I, uh, my oh. kids and I used to listen to that song all the time. Oh, yeah, I, I used to love Dean Martin's version of the "Let Me Tell love- You About the Birds and the Bees." Oh, and I'll tell you what: if uh, Roger Miller didn't do that song as well, I, he may have even wrote it. I have no idea. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Um, he he could write some stuff. Oh, he wrote all so many great songs. But wow. yeah, Dean Martin, I don't consider that a guilty pleasure at all. I, I listen no. to that. Well, that's essential listening for for Italians, yeah. I believe. Yep. Yeah, I've got a lot of Sinatra. Don't don't listen to him as much. Uh, a lot more fun listening to Dino. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I didn't I didn't really gain a an appreciation for Frank Sinatra until maybe like ten years ago. Yeah. And my youngest daughter, strangely, um, we we had some playing, but she was was walking through the 
house and like she heard his voice and she just stopped. This was maybe a year ago, maybe two. So mm-hmm. she was wow. still pretty young. She says, still has it. wow, his, his voice is so handsome. <laughs> Very good. Thing I that bothered me about uh, Frank Sinatra is he always changed the lyrics. He was, you know, he was fancied himself a scatter, and yeah, I, I got a scatter. Like yeah, I, I chalk it up to you forgot him. Yeah, that's probably you what forgot. it was. You're right in the middle of forgetting and uh, Scooby Dooby Doo. Uh, yeah, Scooby. Like oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like his sure. cancer sticks too. But yeah, you know, that's the way it. it was back then. Yeah. Right, moving forward, right along, uh, Jerry, what do you have for us? What's a guilty pleasure that you have? Uh, well, like Jim said at the beginning of the show, uh, I do have a guilty pleasure of disco. But when Frank first brought up the thing about guilty pleasure, it's classical music, folks. Anything by Mozart, anything by, well, I shouldn't say anything. I don't like opera. I love I love classical music, but when they start polluting the strings with oh, <laughs> oh I can't I love classical music I cannot right. take opera even right. if it's written by Mozart I, I Same. once right. thank you Jaime once they start singing I I, I can't do it okay. but um, when Frank folks out in conspiracy land say guilty pleasure the first thing that popped into my head was classical so. I looked right away what was already on my phone for classical. And it's, uh, I have the planets by Holst. I have the 50 greatest pieces of classical music by the London Philharmonic. I've got uh, Mozart musical masterpieces. And uh, there's a station I was trying to check with Frank since you dropped the radio station. I, mean, I want to say 103.1. Anyway, it's a classical station. And if uh, traffic's getting you down, you're in your car put on classical music and you'll survive it's 91.5 thank you usc usc that's it they used to have k k mozart thank you very much for that k mozart was 105 point maybe that's what i'm confusing because they stopped the k mozart it became a country station it did i remember that previous to that it was kkgo (laughs) which was um which was a jazz station yeah really okay i enjoyed listening to k mozart yeah and kusc um and uh, it, it's just so soothing. I think I got that from my mom because my dad just loved country music. Charlie Pride. That's why as soon as you played that intro to Roger Miller, I knew it. My dad, right. I guarantee you, my dad played some Roger Miller. Right. Yeah. But Same. to me, classical is so soothing. And uh, even when I watch the movie Amadeus, where it's just the people are so squirrely. But when you hear, when you hear it, it's it's majestic. It's angelic. And uh, yeah, so. It's not really guilty, guilty. I mean, I t- I'm telling you guys, I, and folks on Conspiracy Land, I, I do love classical music. And I have some loaded on my phone. But, um, yeah, just just uh, when you think about the old days, there's no amps, there's no tech, there's no microphones, there's no... And you're writing a piece for, you know, 20, 30, you know, instruments or it's just it's mind-blowing when you hear some of the old stuff that this was done you know three four hundred years ago a couple hundred years ago 200 years ago so yeah guilty pleasure wise i would say mozart for sure pretty much anything okay. unless it's opera right and uh the planets by holst i love i listen to that and um yeah 
So that's my guilty pleasure, folks, is uh, uh-huh. classical. I love classical music. I love a string quartet, which is basically two violins, a viola and a cello. And uh, it's just, it's it's soothing and I like it. It puts my mind at ease. And cool. uh, yeah. Let's so, check yeah. a little bit out, shall we? Yeah. So here's my here's my little gripe with Jerry's guilty pleasure. Okay, is that you ne- you no. never have to feel guilty about listening to classic. No, no, because and when always, you brought- because it always makes you look smarter than you really are. Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea because when you brought up no, but when you had brought up your guilty pleasure, which you threw out the disco, to me as we as we sit and breathe right here, folks, the Saturday Night Live soundtrack. See, I would have thought that would have been it's, your guilty pleasure. Uh, well, Saturday I, night, I, Saturday night fever. First, mm-hmm. Remember, we played it at the vinyl party of Todd Debbie's. I brought that, mm-hmm. but um, those are our friends, folks. We had a vinyl party, and that's the album I bought. But Jim, when you went into your little delve in and you said disco, I was like, oh man, <laughs> I've got me Patrick Hernandez. I've got the oh, I've got some disco. But, <laughs> but to see, me, now, that's. I was even wondering about that because the Foo Fighters have now re-recorded uh, <coughs> some Bee Gees oh, tunes. Some Bee Gees tunes, right? They're the the DGs, the Dave Grohls, or whatever they are. You so they're kind, of, they're kind of stamping that as being cool, I guess. I, I don't. It know. is. It is now. I mean, yeah. that soundtrack, guys. There'll be sometimes where I'll hook up the Bluetooth and you know, folks on Conspiracy Land, I'm all streaming, and I'll just be there going. And I'll play something. Nope, 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 nope. Bee Gees soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Saturday night, yeah. Ooh, Saturday night fever soundtrack. Yeah, yeah I, I like and the especially Bee Gees. the Yvonne Element. Yeah. Oh, they had, that tragedy is my favorite too. Yeah. I, I like the Bee Gees until they started the whole disco. They had so many good down that songs. disco road. They had so you, many great, just yeah. super they, good pop songs. Good do, solid do writers. Knew, yeah. Do you think they knew it when they did it? I mean, in other words. You're exactly right, Jim. People think Bee Gees, oh disco, but their 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 library was huge before that. Yes, yeah. yes. Huge. Yeah, they were a huge. Act. 12, 13, yeah. They were huge. This is a comeback years album. That. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they knew that? Have you seen the? This is uh, where we're headed. Have you seen their documentary? I have not seen it yet. It is, is good. Heartbra- no, it's awesome. It's heartbreaking because uh, Barry's the only one left. And, right. Um, yeah, and he's the oldest. He's the firstborn. Yeah. And he talks about they weren't making disco; they were making a dance, uh, just a upbeat dance type a music, dance yeah, stuff. an album. Sure. Yeah, they had no yeah. idea. But the, what was even worse was the backlash afterwards because it became the biggest phenomenon. Phenomenal. And then disco they sucks. remember and they yeah. they were kind of seen as the ones kicking it off. They were yep. the flagship, and yep. they got such they backlash. They got hammered. It. Yeah. They got vilified. But at the same time, laughing all the way to the bank. That was like one Absolutely. of the biggest selling records of all time. Yes, yes. But they wanted to, radio stations banned them. 
and then wouldn't play him. Well, then who was that? Who was that guy? Steve Gadd and out in Chicago, right? Did that whole disco sucks thing out at the Shea Stadium or something? They burned all the disco records, burned all the albums, or blew them up or something. Yeah. So, yeah, disco. A lot of it I I don't like to listen to. A little little bit too repetitive and in hard on hard on my ears, but some of the Bee Gees stuff is just. Their vocals and, are and so Barry, amazing. They're tight. And Barry Gibb wrote hits for Donna Summer, Barbara Streisand, everybody. Uh, he, talent yeah. for days. That dude's oh, very a, talented. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Great, great songwriter. Yeah. But, Matter of fact, I had a, I, I probably told this story already. Uh, had a guy I worked with who was, uh, he was a touring musician at one time, but he, he had another band who, who did Lollapalooza and like a bunch of other festivals and things. But he was telling me they covered a Bee Gees song. One of their one of their disco songs, and he's like, he's all you always think of that stuff as being very simple and repetitive. He said, but he's all I can tell you that song's got like a million chord changes. Chord in changes, it. yeah. And he's like, and it all makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. It's not like changes for the sake of changes. He's all, it, no, it's, it, it's mind blowing how how good it is. <laughs> well, like with any genre, though, you're gonna get, you know, you, the cream's gonna rise to the top. Yep. And, the rest you know, and the rest mm-hmm. of it just gets left behind. It happens yep. in every genre. And I think that's the problem is every radio station was playing just about anything and everything disco. And right. Just, just a bit much, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I, I probably a few years ago, we went and saw uh, Gil and I went and saw Duran Duran. Same mm-hmm. night you guys had that vinyl party, oh. matter of fact. Um but Chic opened up, right? And Nile Rogers has produced Duran Duran for a long time, and they're good friends. Duran. And so, Duran Duran. Um, so they they played like probably an hour, but they they only played like six songs, right? Because every song like Big long dance ten, ten minutes long dance version dance mix, yeah, song, yeah. right? And I was yeah. like, so they played all the hits. Sure. <laughs> Everybody goes home happy that way, right? You know? Yep. Oh, so whatever, whatever their six hits were, that was what they played. But every song was 10 minutes long. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Jim. Jim posted this last week. Jim was on, online quite a bit, posted some really good uh, uh, scenarios for people to pick. You can only keep one. one. Right. Mm-hmm. And the last one, I think the one that got the most tra- traffic was uh, Quiet Riot's uh, Metal Health versus... Yep. Rats out of the cellar. Out of the cellar. Uh, Jerry, did you have a favorite on that one? You'll and notice why? I didn't comment. You'll notice I didn't comment on either one mm-hmm. because uh, I don't even think I had Quiet Riot debut or Rat debut. I tell right. you what I do have. And when and I went and saw him performing at the Orange County Fair was Rat Infestation. Oh, much later on. Okay. Yeah, much later. Uh, much later on. So as far as the two Infestation is a good record, though. It's, the it's last good all one. the way through, all the way through, guys. So I didn't really comment because I don't think I had either one, guys. So I didn't put any likes. I didn't put any comments. But if you would go just basically on suavecitoness, I would take Rat. Yeah. I would. Well, I'll tell you what. Be influenced heavily by infestation, I would say, folks, out in conspiracy land. Yeah. Two you know. excellent groundbreaking albums. Yes. I- I think, um, and and I gave the edge to Rat, like I said, um, only because 
they had original tunes on there. It was their their songs. Yeah, um, quite right. Like to do a lot of Slade. They love they. Once you strike, you keep on going. I think. Right. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Excuse me. For my money, and it's just my opinion. I think the Rat album is a better produced album, it's sonically sweet. wise. Yeah. Um, the genre itself hadn't really got to what it was caught up to the what it became what it became yeah. yeah um i think i think quiet right's got i'd say 80 to 85 percent good tunes on there and mm-hmm. then maybe you know there, there's one or two that i don't particularly i won't listen i'll skip uh with rats original there's a couple on there also but not you know i think there's only one tune on there that i don't care for and off the top of my head i can't remember but it's the only reason I gave Rat the the advantage for me was because of the production and the fact they're original tunes. Now, what about you, Jim? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I didn't comment on on it either, but I think. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, did I think pound for pound, or song for song, whatever you want to say. Um, I I, lo- I like both albums. I think Rat's maybe just a little more solid of a record. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting thing, I never saw. Quiet Riot in the clubs. I saw Dubrow, right. which was the continuation after Randy left right. um, to go play with Ozzy. And uh, and I had seen Rats several times, one time even opening up for Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing was um, Dubrow was great. Yeah. Always great. They put on a brilliant show. The songs were solid. And I can remember seeing Rat a few times and just thinking, like, these guys don't have any songs. <laughs> uh, other than um, a song that was on their first EP, and they had actually released it as a seven-inch single at one point, was Tell the World, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really solid song. But, like, I would leave their shows just thinking, like, there's nothing memorable about these guys. It's right. just, they're good, they're s- solid players, but they, they don't have any songs. And yeah. so when their first album came out, I was really surprised at how, what a really great record it was. Yeah. I I enjoyed the first album. I, I remember being a little disappointed because their EP, if you remember the, their self-produced EP they put out. Sounded terrible. Yes. But it, <laughs> it was raw. It was raw. It was very raw. It's not well done. Right. And then when you, you get to their album and it's polished and it's smooth sounding, it took a little bit of the grittiness of what the band was live off. But what made up for it was the songs were better the, the, as a whole. So uh, the one know. thing, the one thing that did impress me seeing them, and I think it was probably maybe the last time I even saw them, they had just gotten a brand new guitarist. Um, and that was Warren D. Martini. It was it was Warren's very first very first gig with the band, and I was really impressed with his playing. The guy stood in one spot all night, but he just <laughs> just burned on the guitar, right? Wow. I don't I don't even remember what year it was that I saw them the first time in a club. All I remember is Robin Crosby was so damn tall compared to everybody else. Yes. <laughs> he oh, was yeah. just a hulk of a guy. Dude, you know? Hulk dude. of a dude. And he yeah, dwarfed yeah. his guitar. I mean, well, it looked he, like Jackson a, looked like a toy. Yeah, it looked like a three-quarter scale on that guy. Yeah. But um, two, two good ones. Now, the other, the other uh, uh, poll that you took was, uh, you guys can 
talk about this one all you want. Uh, uh, Queen Queen Grace no, no, no. hits one and Queen Grace hits not two. that one. No. That oh one. no, different one. The Journey and uh, <laughs> Def Leppard. Oh, uh, yeah. Journey and Def Leppard Pyromania. Yeah, right. Pyromania. Yeah. And I only Sears. picked those two because they came out in the same year. And they're That's very funny. They were it, total. Funny, that, no. These were two bands that brought girls to the to the arenas. Yep, it, that was their especially thing. journey. Yeah, so I, I I didn't care. Like I said, after High and Dry, I, I had zero desire to listen to Def Leppard anymore because yeah, all... I stepped I stepped on big time with uh, Hysteria, and of course the debut on through the night. But yeah, yeah when Hysteria came out, oh, of course that was. <laughs> And I, I still like Pyromania. Do you? Yeah, I think uh, I still I still love Photograph. I think that is just a really well, oh, that's it. That's well, a well done scene. song. And there's yeah. other good stuff on yes. the album, but yes, there is. Um, Rock of Ages. I was like, what are they doing? This is not, <laughs> not good. Yeah. No, <laughs> I could kind of see. I could kind of see where they were going, and I was like, this is not going to end well somewhere no. down the road, but. Yeah, the, I jumped off the boat after the second one. I really think um, for Journey, my, the only album that I listen to to this day, and it's not very often, but it's uh, is Departure. I love that album. Oh, me too. I don't like La- last last one with Greg Rowling. Yeah, yeah. A lot of their other stuff I can't listen to, and I, I don't oh, know. Escape is you know, it, Escape's good, but not. It doesn't. I'm missing something on that. I don't know what it is. That is that your alarm? You got to get up. Well, kind of weird. I have a do not disturb on, but it's it's medication time. Yeah, it's medication time. Wow. I don't. Know, I don't know why it's ringing. It shouldn't be ringing. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward. I hope you come up with some other uh, some other polls. It's interesting to hear what people. No, say. because they're yeah they're getting uh, 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 less bubble gum. They're getting real now. Because I read some of the facts, I didn't want to touch it when I saw when I saw those two. I, I go, you chicken. <laughs> well, no, the thing is, is I have my opinion, and then I still sometimes when I go on Facebook, the thing keeps reading on my bottom. You're you're reacting as yourself. You're interacting mm-hmm. as yourself. You're in, and I'm like, that's why I tell Frank. I go I, I, the tech stuff in our in our in our uh, Gmail account, jfjshow at gmail.com. I don't I don't touch it now. I I, I just. <laughs> I just fall all over myself. So well, I, uh, I just want to say this, know. Jerry, if everybody had yes. the same opinion, what a boring life it would be. What a boring life. Exactly. Exactly. And, exactly. and the beautiful thing about it is, especially with, with our site on Facebook, someone doesn't agree with us or I don't agree with them or Jim doesn't agree. It's not the end of the world. It's just an opinion. No, it isn't. It's a no. conversation and you move on. Hey, it's, well, just, I, it's just music, I, folks. I, I, I tell you why I didn't touch it is uh, I have Frontiers. And I have the uh, Def Leppard, but in order to react, I would have to listen to each one all the way through <laughs> and then go, yeah, because of this. And yeah. so, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't touch them because, you know, I, I do, I do like stuff. I, I yeah, I do. I do. You know. Let your freak flag fly, Jerry. I'm going to let it fly. Doggone it. <laughs> Folks on conspiracy land. Next time, Jim, throw throw a real controversial one. Throw up, uh, you know, thriller and uh, you know, <laughs> diver down. My, keep your hands off my power supply. You know, by slave. <laughs> you know. Uh, 
And I have both, by the way. <laughs> I would, don't doubt it. All right, Jerry. Well, if you don't have anything else, uh, you want to add anything before we go? Uh, yeah, folks, just uh, keep rocking. Keep rocking. Um, we love you very much. Uh, drop us a drop us an email, jfjshow at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, YouTube, JFJ, JFJ Conspiracy Podcast, where the shop talk is rock. But we love you very much. Uh, uh, shout out to Tony Floyd Kenna for sending us CDs. Thank you very mm -hmm. much. He's over the pond, folks. And uh, he's, a, he's a great, great artist. And he, he, he's tied with us. And, and we thank you very much, Tony. But yeah, folks, yep. keep, keep rocking. Very good. Um, our next episode, we will have uh, some bands to present for you. And then later on that, down the line, we'll do another one of these shows. And like I said, we'll get Jeffrey from uh, Paisley Stage, Raspberry and Rhyme. Yep. Uh, maybe some other people. Bigger the panel, yep. the better on that, I think. So we'll see. We're, we're doing the Muffs next time then, right? Is that, is that yeah, it? Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah, and then my classical pick. So we'll save it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. With that, Jim, do you have anything else? Like, subscribe. Hit that notification bell. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, why don't you take us on home? Shop is closed. I don't know if it's from my PC or whatever, but when I download stuff, where do you see the album cover for The Planets by Gustav Holst? Where do you see what's on the cover? Is it Tawny Katane? No, 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 but it's, it's sometimes when I go through stuff, it has the uh, cover from another band yeah. on. Where do you see it, guys? Let me, let me. Yeah, but I'm trying to get it to where you can see the words. See how it says? The Planets. Yep, the Led planets. Zeppelin. <laughs> and here's my song, Mercury. And, and look what's on the cover. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin 2. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But you can see where it says Holst, right? The planets? Yeah. yeah. And okay. I've got a lot on there like that where you That's play. Funny. Yeah, I don't know. It's iTunes. I don't know what it is. <laughs>